Hi, folks. You are watching and listening to a very special edition of Open Bar. I'm Mike Morales here in sunny Southern California today. We're not soggy, and that gentleman out there is. I'm Felipe Sotomares, and I'm down in South Oceanside, just uh, about an hour and a half south of Mike. Oh yeah, I know. We gotta we gotta catch up. I, I you know we gotta. The last time I saw Phil Philip, um, he. In case you don't know who this gentleman is, he is the, and this is the biggest bottle I've got right now, he is the uh, distiller and part owner of the Bad Stuff Tequila. You may have seen it on social media. You, maybe you subscribe to it, uh, to their newsletter. I would, I would recommend you highly do that. Uh, this, this guy is no joke. Um, from what I remember, and I Philip and I have known each other, and I call him the other Don Felipe, because basically, you know, the other one, got, he kind of made a bigger splash than you did just prior, you know, but, right. <laughs> but no less. Um, uh, uh, Felipe Sotomares is uh, a certified catador, which means he studied to be a, a catador or uh, similar to a sommelier uh, for wine but with the Mexican Tequila Academy, and there are two academies, and this was the original one that uh, Philip cut. You cut your teeth on that one, uh, right, on that exactly. company, uh, yeah. on that on that uh, organization. And uh, you know, rather than rather than me talk and and tell people who you know who may not know who you are, I'm just going to feed you questions, and and you could because this this guy is history not only in a bottle, but history in his, in his person, in his personality, because he's got a, first of all, you, not only are you a catador, but now you're, you're a master distiller uh, of right. the bad stuff. How, first of all, I, I'm going to start at the beginning. Tell me your, your family history. How did you get involved in tequila? I mean, this goes back a few decades, correct? It goes back quite a bit, and it actually goes back to, oh gosh, I think I was 16 years old uh, when I first had my first taste, and we can thank my Tio Roberto, my uncle, uh, <laughs> for bringing up a It's always of, the deal, you know? Always. It's always the uncle. Uh, he, uh, he brought up uh, a bottle of tequila that he made at the Hacienda uh, that my grandfather had purchased um, and after he had got back from the U.S. to Mexico. And actually, it was in Atequiza, uh, Jalisco. Oh, okay. Um, he brought up this jug of tequila, said, with, and my aunt was with him, and he goes uh, to my dad, we're going to teach Felipe how to drink tequila properly. And at <laughs> uh, 16, I just went, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my dad set up a table in the garage and my mom and my aunt started making foods and, and so we sat down in the garage and my uncle poured me a shot I grabbed it shot it next thing I know I'm getting this smacks upside the head wow <laughs> my uncle going I told you I'm going to teach you how to drink this properly and and so the next Poor, I was very quiet and I was patient and waited until he explained it. And that was just a seed that he planted because I did not hear anything about tequila until 1994 from him. And now, when I met you, um, I remember that you were helping uh, Dory Bryant 
who at that time was uh, the promoter and organizer of the, the um, uh, Spirits of Mexico show in, in San Diego. And um, the funny thing was, I guess she and I had been in communication because uh, I, I tell people that Tequila Aficionado Media, you know, started with, with the internet, really, literally, you know, and we were, you know, we we're, this is our 23rd year in, in doing this, you know, doing, doing shows and doing tastings online. We invented it, you know, as far as I'm concerned. The pandemic didn't do anything to hurt us because we were just, you know, we just rolled on as usual. But um, she, I had my own show in New Mexico uh prior to Do well dory uh, yeah prior to dory doing it and so we had communicated um either on email or in those days we didn't have forums or facebook you know we had those email lists remember the yahoo and an email list and everybody would sign up and i got to meet some of the greats um you know with with the yahoo tequila email list all the current collectors and guys like robert denton you know, mm -hmm. I think Ron Cooper was a member and it was like, wow, that's just amazing. And I'm, you're just you're talking with history only, only when you're that young. You don't know that it's, that it's history. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So when I met you, you were in the middle of you had uh, the, the name of your tequila had changed names a couple of times. You were you were kind of experimenting well, uh, tequila that I was hoping to get out. But I but it it, it had nothing to do with what I have now it's a completely different yeah thing. yeah it's a whole different animal yeah and yeah. and at, and at one point you couldn't even pour you just you just had like a bottle to show you know you were there showcasing Herman Gonzalez had that happen I think too he was he was tasting tears of Yorona but he didn't really have you know the final product at the time right. but, exactly. but but Dory was really nice about letting you and him and other people just promote themselves and get people excited for the for the next show you know what I mean for the next yeah. when 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 that version of the final the final version of that tequila was available how when when did you start experimenting with well let me get let me get past your your uncle teaching you how did you get involved with the Mexican Tequila Academy what brought that on what were you doing at that point in your life that said you know I, I need more training yeah, what happened basically is they took note of all the promoting that I was doing to promote the industry. And I wasn't doing it for any other reason other than the passion that I have for this industry and the people behind it, you know, men and women, and of course, all the workers as well. So not only did the Academy notice, but so did the CRT. So they... Oh. they they had me, they asked me to become a, an endorsed speaker uh, at different events. So, uh, and then the Academy saw that and they invited me to participate uh, in uh, Guadalajara. And that's where I received my first Catador uh, certification. But then they, they went their, their way and uh, I am now uh, and have been a member of the, the new Academy with uh, you know, the, the Cazadores, uh, the Dino y Mascal. Yes. So, yeah. And I am now, I am a Maestro Catador. I do have, uh, I'm also a Master Distiller and also a Master Blender. So I've really worked hard to, to be able to do what I do, basically. And uh, that's kind of how that, that all happened. Well, I remember uh, one year, 
I, I know I, I attended the show a couple of years, one as a, just a, uh, the show, when I mean the show, I mean the Spirits of Mexico show when Dory was putting it on, uh, myself and a friend of mine from New Mexico, because I was living in New Mexico then, we had traveled out to, at the time, there were two shows in the same weekend. One was in Las Vegas, and then the other one was in San Diego within the same weekend. So what we would do is we'd fly into Vegas, go to the Vegas show, and then rent a car and then drive to San Diego, right? And then, you know, drive back after the show and and fly out of out of out of Vegas back into New Mexico. So the couple of times that I went, one, I was invited to be a judge at, at Spirits of Mexico, which was one of the what a delight and what a what a learning experience. Uh, and I tell people this when I talk to my students, because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but I do have a consumer catador course that we put together after. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're you're actually in it. We do mention uh, people that they should follow. And one of them is you, because you, of course, you're the master. And I consider you one of my mentors, as well as some of the other, you know, like Herman and, and people like David Sudo and people that you know in the industry who who have been doing this for a long time, you know, and uh, uh, Felipe Camarena and, and, and Carlos, you know, those guys there and you're you're right there with them. The, the thing, in my opinion, because I got to tell you, folks, if you have not had the bad stuff, start with the Blanco. Um, and then work your way through all the expressions, because this one here, the one that the, the mini you had given us, you were nice enough to sample us uh, at El Cholo in Pasadena. We, we, we met you and, and your business partner um, and and you poured it. This hadn't even been rolled out yet. And you poured us that night and I brought my special glassware, which some people may have seen on, you know, when we do sipping off the cuff. And we shared that glass and that, you know, that bottle. And I got to tell you, there were things that I picked out that in an extra añejo, I, I never picked out before. And you could still, um, you could still taste the agave in it. And the reason I bring up the agave is because when, in, in two of those visits to San Diego, where you were, you were living in that area in, in the county, and we visited you at your home at the time. And, Philip is not only into the tequila, but he's into the plants. This guy had a blue agave growing in his front yard, you know, and he knew he would, he took me to say, you know, they were growing in like separate, separate planters, I think, and they were huge. And you were telling me the difference between a, a Highlands agave, blue agave versus a, a, a Lowlands and, and what to look for. And you, you, you studied like every facet of this industry. I mean, you could have just easily been an agavero, right? Well, I could have been, yes. Um, and that's why uh, when I started working with Dory uh, on, at the um, Spirit of Mexico event, she called me Felipe is all things agave. So that's that's the you know the little title she gave me. So. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I I love the plant itself because it's so versatile, you know. Um, and I learned that from my uncle because way back in the twenties, once my grandfather came went back to Jalisco or Mexico, I should say, he planted agave and actually grew agave for Puerto. Everybody grew agave for Cuervo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, exactly. that was that was the guy to work for, right? So yeah, 
Right, exactly. So, you know, it was, it, it was just so amazing to be able to have Dory ask me to be that guy for that event. You know, such a prestigious event, you know. Oh, it, yeah. It, it yeah. was beautiful. And there were some great, you know, aficionados coming down and also beginners, you know, uh, you, all kinds of people. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was just so much fun. Well, the funny, the funny thing was when, when I met, first met Dory, because like I said, we had been communicating, but we'd never met, you know, we, again, there was no Instagram, there was no Facebook at the time. So it was nothing but emails, right? I had no idea who to look for or what, what she looked like. And uh, I, my friend and I walked in uh, to the audit, to where she was ha having the event. And I said, I kept, I kept asking the people at the tables, where's Dory Bryant? I got to meet her, you know, because uh, she had no idea I was coming. And, um, and I, I, I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, you're Dory. She says, yeah. I says, I'm Mike Morales. And she goes, Oh my God, you're the godfather of tequila shows. <laughs> so, and that's what, you know, and so the following year is when she invited me to be a, a judge actually, um, mm -hmm. prior, prior to her, we had had our shows in, in New Mexico for about five years before there were any shows including Dory's and Dory's was really the one that that took off you know God bless her because I was hoping to do the same thing with ours uh, with mm -hmm. our show in New Mexico but that's where I became aware of the Mexican Tequila Academy I had no idea one of our guests at I think our first or second show was was someone who had been excommunicated by the uh, by the academy uh, and and he wanted you know he drove from I don't know Texas or El Paso or someplace like that to, to come to the show, to, to, to meet me, mm -hmm. um, you know, and in those days we were just flying by the seat of our pants. We had no idea what we were doing. I had no idea Ron Cooper was living in Taos and he was one of the first ones to reach out and support us. And he came down, you know, with, with his, uh, with his mezcal. He was the only mezcal in, the, in our show. I mean, I tell people that I, I feel like Forrest Gump, you know, I, I was I was involved in history without him knowing it. You know exactly. what I mean? You're exactly. shaking hands with JFK. You don't know you don't know what's going to happen. And it's the same with me. I, I really feel fortunate that I got a chance to meet you before. You know, uh, while you were in the midst of of you know trying to accomplish what you set out to do. And I know you've been you've been trying to bring out your tequila for how many years now? Well, you know I. A lot of years, um, but, you know, that original didn't work out. So right. I created a whole new profile and that's when uh, the bad stuff came out in 2015, or I should say we set it up in 2015. Um, so it was, it was, you know, it's just extremely difficult. People don't realize the steps that you have to take, what it takes to put juice in one of these bottles. Oh, I'm so glad you have one of those. I got, I had stashed mine. Oh my God, look at that. I don't think you have this one. No, this that's is, a five year. What, which yeah, one is this one? Five year, single barrel select, and you have a three year. This is, uh, yeah, the Reserva Especial is what it is. And it is uh, best in class winner. Uh, I mean, you the, even these minis are, are you know, the, all I can say is I don't want to I don't want to break it open. You know what I mean? Because because uh, uh, I'm not you. You are 
you were so nice when we went to visit you that you I was surprised at the amount of tequila you had in your in your library. Oh. You had stuff that, you know, co collectors would fall all over themselves. Mm -hmm. And he says, just pick one. Well, they're here to drink. They're not here to collect. And and I, I think I, f I forget which one it was that I picked. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so good stuff. And, you know, it's just you're to me having met you then and then and then we we've been in communication ever since you know this is almost 15 i don't know how long oh, gosh, yeah, uh, longer than that i think longer than that yeah has to be yeah um you know i tell people you don't understand that you feel that what you're drinking now is never going to change we'll always have this great tasting tequila and the the faster innovations happen um with stuff like the internet and and things like that i i see the industry advancing much faster than than we can keep up than, than the plant can keep up and and when i to me when i met you and i looked at all your your skill sets and i thought this guy's a renaissance man he was a surfer he's a horseback rider uh do you do you sing <laughs> do you ever do karaoke <laughs> After a couple of bottles of uh, the bad stuff, I there can you get go. It. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, don't we all? Um, I also you know, you, and have been for many years. Yeah, well, you know, and that's it, it's. But you've you've really immersed yourself in the in the in the. I don't want to call it the business, the industry, but in the art, the craft of of all facets. Now, when when you make your blanco, first of all, how did you pick the distillery? I, I know a little bit about that distillery from other master distillers, but you tell me why you picked it. Well, it wasn't really me who picked it. It was distillery who picked me. Uh, and, <laughs> and it was, you know, just through a gentleman who I had met in Ensenada. And he had some amazing tequilas that nobody had auto production. So I cut a deal with them and said, look, why don't we start a business and move some of these, you know, rare tequilas that you have, because you had multiples of, of them. Wow. And, and it turned out he was the uncle of Don Nico Martinez uh, over at uh, uh, Compañía Tequilera de Arandas in Arandas, Jalisco. And then uh, he introduced me and they said, well, come on down, let's talk. And uh, that's where I made my first tequila that went to market. It wasn't mine. I consulted. And right. that was 2003. So I've been involved with this distillery since, since that time. And uh, know the system, know how they operate. Uh, love the fact that we grow our own agave. We, we don't use any municipal water sources in their artesian wells on the on the site we go down 250 meters for all our water and uh, i just really liked what don nico and Gilberto were doing and so i be, i became a part of it and uh, have been ever since um when when you studied was there phases that you studied like i i know i guess when you were younger did you you got a chance to walk among agave right i mean that that seems to be where where the where young folks start off, you know, they get to they get to know the plant and they get to. I've seen you himar, you know. I mean, you you know how to wield a a, a koa, 
Well, I do. Scary. <laughs> I still have my original co-op from the time my uncle called me to in 94 to learn how to make tequila. And I had to go out and harvest my own agave to make my first batches with him. You know. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. I still have it, and and I've used it consistently through the years. In fact, it has a little worn spot where my hand worked it. So yeah, it's my co-op, definitely. <laughs> Do you know that you can buy those things on Amazon and have them delivered now? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, one of my tasters in San Diego, Rick, he got he goes, look what I got for Christmas. He sends me a picture, and it's him holding a co-op. I go, you're kidding. You can buy this on Amazon now. So he got one, but you need a sharpener because that it's kind of a, it looks really thick. You know, those blades are sharpened to a razor thin, you oh, know? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, but just to have one so you can, you know, lean up against your barrels or up against your, your, your cabinet, you know, mm -hmm. um, or scare someone off with it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or take someone to the emergency uh, ward because they cut their finger on it because yeah. they it, listen, it's super sharp. You know, because I've taken my call and my big broad axe, you know, to, you know, the shows and all to show people yeah. this is what we use and this is what we wield to harvest and also to, you know, cut the, uh, the pino. Now, um, so, okay, so now you, 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 you picked out your agave. Your uncle, did he have his own distillery? Was he, was he making tequila yeah. for other, other companies? I mean, Right. Yeah. Well, we'll backtrack just a little bit and go. Okay. Go prohibition. So. Ah, oh, yes. That's yes, right. Because so, your family, your history goes back to prohibition. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So uh, what happened is, you know, the Cristero Revolution happened. My my grandfather worked for the Mexican government at the time, and they attempted to assassinate many of the employees. And he, he escaped with two friends out the back door, got in his car, loaded the family, clothes, whatever they could get in there, and jammed up to the United States. He ended up in a little town south of Long Beach called Wilmington, got a little house, and now he's trying to figure out, shoot, I can't find work. So then he had this bright idea. He, he dug a basement out. <laughs> And he started harvesting. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, he started harvesting the local blue agave americana. And, you know, the broadleaf one and made a tequila hooch that he started selling to the honky tonks. And it actually, you know, did really well. I mean, he was all over LA, Orange County. Then he met a, uh, a family in Orange County that had come up from Oceanside. And they were bootleg runners. So they cut a deal and he started, they started running his tequila all the way to the border. I love it. I love it. That's so cool. Yeah. So it was very, really cool to get that story from my great aunt and my mom because they never mentioned it, you know, and maybe it was because it was illegal, but they finally told me and uh you know i was just fascinated by that and so that's how it started he finished up uh because he had a little visit from uh let's say the 
Irish bootleggers in the LA. Irish bootleggers, yeah. Also known as the Irish mob. Because, <laughs> exactly. well, you know, LA at that time was was run by Irish cops and yes. you know, a heavy Irish influence. Yeah, um, exactly. So um, he he said, okay, no problem. I goes, I'll, I'll stay out of your territory. And he figured, well, Cristero revolution's over. Mexico's calmed down. I'm going to go back to Jalisco. So he bought a small hacienda in Atiquisa and uh, built it out. And of course, he he built a still. And he, he made built, he built his own still. Yeah, he continued to make you know tequila from the the good blue agave. Right. And uh, and then he taught my uncle. My uncle took over after he died. And it was uh, just basically bootleg. It was friends and family is what it was. And uh, that's how I learned. I learned from my uncle and I learned how to plant hijuelos, how to harvest hijuelos, how to, what they need, how much air circulation they need. You right. Know, so you and I talked about that extensively over email, we actually, about there was a, a situation where in some of the areas, you know, it was susceptible to frost and cold air. And you mentioned something really interesting that I don't, I don't think anybody's ever talked about, that there's a way to plant your, your plants so that there's a crosshatch pattern exactly. where, where the, I guess it's the, 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 the frost or the air doesn't, doesn't linger in one spot or, or, or blows through or something like that. There's a, I don't know how you figure that out. That's crazy. Yeah, it's, you know, you, you have to study the air currents. Uh, because I did design a distillery, uh, help design a distillery in, gosh, I think it was Jesus Maria. And, uh, and it's the same thing. With that distillery, it was all about the air currents. Why? Open vat fermentation. All right. So how about what natural accelerator is coming from this wind direction and the other direction? So you would get all these great natural accelerators, pollens and everything go in and accelerate the fermentation naturally. Right. And so, so with the agave, it was the same thing. It was a pattern to allow currents of air to move slowly through, you know, the base of the agave right. and not so much the, the upper Not so side. much the top, but at the bottom. Okay. That's what I was, um, it's been a while since I've looked at those notes. But it was, I found that fascinating because you don't you don't see that even when you you know when you go there and you travel. Of course, now I was just there last November, and it's kind of sad. And I want to discuss that with you a little bit later. But you know, you see the rows, just straight ahead rows. But but you, I think you sent me a picture. I, I, I you may have sent me a picture, and it's cross hatch. It, it's like a herringbone, you know, uh, pattern. If you were to wear a jacket, it looked like a herringbone. And I thought that's brilliant because. Um, we, you and I were discussing my Vanassa's project that I had been writing about and how, uh, you know, how, like you said, air currents make a big difference. And I, I had no idea until I watched a video of Ron Cooper. He, he, had, he's, he, uh, you may have seen that. It's a famous video. And I, and I actually make the, the link in my, in our Catador course book, but he's sitting there and he's probably like two or three mezcals in, right? But he's 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 waxing poetic, and he says, you know, that every thousand meters there are microbes that affect what goes into the natural fermentation of a mezcal. 
He says, there's something different every thousand meters. It's like, that's, uh, that's amazing. And nobody, you know, when you're, like you said, fermenting naturally, mm -hmm. you, you got to be aware of what's around you because if you're downwind from somebody who's um, well, it, tossing exactly. binasas, you're in trouble because mm -hmm. that well, current's right. going to carry it, all that junk. And it also imparts a different flavor profile. You know, it's when you when you look at that, let's say uh, this particular distillery in Jesus Maria to the southwest was huge groves of stone fruit. Oh. And the opposite direction were these hills with wild damiana growing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So you'd get this mixture of air flowing. This aromatic cocktail already. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Because, you know, I know that when I've talked to some, I, um, I've interviewed um, um, uh, a couple of gentlemen with mezcals, you know, and, and they say they look for areas uh, with their own microclimate. And right. yet when, you know, the microclimate's a little bit different because you're looking at little pockets of, of area where, where, where everything's favorable. In your case, you're looking for what is favorable and create, it's like you're creating your own, you're using two different microclimates to create your own flavor profile before it even hit, before it even, you know, gets in the barrel. That's right. No, you, 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 you know, and that comes from the alchemist part of me, which I learned uh, through my great grandmother, who was a curandera in San Luis Rio, Colorado. She was full-blooded Yaqui Indian. Oh my God. Yeah. And I spent two weeks out of every summer from the time I was just a, a little tight till I was 17. And I learned so much from her. And I've used that knowledge in, in what I do with tequila as well. I remember reading, uh, it's on Instagram, as a matter of fact, uh, um, uh, Don Adolfo Murillo, who owns Alquimia. You and, you and he have met over, yeah. over the years. Wonderful man, really great, great tequilas. And his daughter, Eliana, used to work for, for Google. And Eliana is kind of an entrepreneur and she works with him as well. And she posted the other day something about how Don Adolfo's, I guess, grandmother taught him how to use the phases of the moon in order to harvest agave right something like something to that effect i'll have to read that post because it was just recent and she she picked that up you know she heard she heard that story and said that's great that her father taught her that 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 you're this you're only the second person who's told me that you're using the natural elements to help enhance your final product whereas you know, these mechanized, industrialized tequilas that are coming out is just, it's just all, there's no soul in it. There's no, no, no. And, you know, people do ask me, so what's in your bottle? And I said, my spirit. Is that it's truly I, what? I totally agree. I think, <laughs> no, you know, I have this crazy idea and I picked up a lot of techniques and tastings, you know, uh, uh, things from ma maestro tequileros, maestro, maestros, uh, chemi chemical engineers, you know, uh, famed chemical engineers. Of course, there's Carlos, uh, um, uh, 
uh, uh, Ingeniero Solis and his partner, um, his first name escapes me right now because I'm a little bit excited here, but you know, when you talk to these chemical engineers, it's like talking to Gandhi. And I get the same feeling with you. You know, there's a, there's an element. I know that these guys are scientists. I get it because they have their degree and they went to school or whatever, you know, but then they take that knowledge and they create a niche for themselves. Um, Ingeniero Solis and his partner, uh, Gabriel Espindola, they invented what I call the Mozart method, where they play Mozart, uh, in, of course, the stainless steel tanks while it's open air fermenting. You know, mm -hmm. and that's based on uh, uh, Dr. Emoto in Japan about, you know, how you can influence water and create the ice crystals. And so all that stuff to me, that, you know, a lot of, as a copywriter, people will say, or I'll write, it's the hand of the maker that makes a difference. But you know what, what goes in the hand, of, it's not just his hands, it's his soul and his spirit. There's a lot. There's a missing ingredient that you can't put on the label. It's intangible, but it is felt. It is something that, that if you teach someone to taste tequila properly, they will sense it. Right, exactly. And, and that's what I want to concentrate on because everybody is going to shoot it like you did when you were young, you know, or whatever with that, a, a novice. And then somebody who's a collector goes, you know, they, 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 they go visit Felipe or Carlos or you or, you know, Herman. And, but, but you have to get to know these people because there's a calmness. There's a something, there's a, what do the French call it? Je ne sais quoi, you know? And, and I know what it is because I felt it. I've been there. I, I spent a whole afternoon with Ingeniero Solis and yes. he's a scientist, but he's doing like muscle testing on me. He made me hold my 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 cell phone. He goes, "Watch, this is negative." And he's and he's doing this. He goes, "Now take your take the phone out. Now do it." And it, he's a scientist doing kinesiology on me, right? And people think that's woo woo, but but this these guys are old. They were older than me, and they're teaching these fine techniques. You know, I can only imagine what what you learned from your 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 curandera grand, your grandmother i mean there's got to be stuff you can't even talk about what do you, you're like there are some things that i can't talk about but can talk to you when i see you in person and tell you all about it which oh, are i need olympia can you do that <laughs> <laughs> it was one one trip that i did with her we went into the desert to collect herbs because she was getting low on her stock so we camped out in the desert and uh, yeah, it was amazing, not just going with her, but she was already in her 90s at that time. And she was still trekking out, you know, getting herbs so that she could, you know, take care of the, the little, the townspeople where she lived. Uh, and, and uh, you know, there's a part of it that I'll, I'll let you know when we meet okay. that really was one of the most profound experiences I've had in my life. Oh, you did peyote, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, it's not anything I haven't heard before because that, that one gentleman that I interviewed for Brujo Mezcal, mm -hmm. he, he's such a passionate guy, you know, and, and he told me the same stories. He goes, I went out there with the shaman, with shamans, you know, 
and and it was the most spiritual experience he's ever had and and it's and it really it paints your life you're completely you know and i've i've only been able to experience this by delving into myself i mean you know and learning yeah. these techniques but also talking to guys like you and leopoldo solis is the the ingeniero that i was talking about that invented that that method and num 1414 the feliciano vivanco y asociados right. that's what they're known for uh among other ones i think don pilar is also a, a user of that method mm -hmm. but you know and then and then i hear that story i read that story about don adolfo who who uses the phases of the moon and it's brilliant you know and he's got an organic tequila you know certified organic and he and i've discussed over the years you know the ins and outs of 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 what it takes to become an organic agave grower i mean he he was the one that taught casanova how to do it before before mm -hmm. he had his own certification so right exactly yeah it was funny i'll, I'll tell you a little story about Adolfo and myself we oh i want to hear it i want to hear we, it we um we were invited to do a tasting at a great restaurant up in ojai and speak about you know tequila ojai okay, yeah moving there I... <laughs> and uh it was great so luckily i got to speak first and and you know we each had a mic and Adolfo's next to me, smiling like he always does with his big yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, he goes, I go, so I, I'm not a chemist. I took one year of chemistry. I'm an alchemist. And all of a sudden he goes, wait a minute, I'm the alchemist. Yeah. No, I am. It was great. <laughs> well, you know, the, his alchemia, that was his, that, the inspiration for alchemia was the Alchemist, written by uh, pa uh, Paolo Coelho. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that. I don't speak Portuguese, but I have the book, you know. And and um, I'd never read it until I read that about why he called it alchemia. Alchemia. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about history, about how they say that the Moors brought uh, uh, distillation to the Spaniards, you know, because every every culture that conquers another culture brings their influence into that culture and the spanish brought supposedly brought distillation to to the americas but when when the moors did it you know that it was it was considered alchemy it was considered magic right you know, when when we talk about the um uh, when i talk about a little bit about the history of like california for instance and and that you know, a, a lot of areas are known for their wine grapes, you know, like Santa, Santa Ines, Santa Barbara, all those areas here. You know, the ones making the brandy and the hooch, that was the monks. It was not the Spaniards. They they were in the middle of conquering. They were they were creating the race. They had no, you know, they, we brought the they brought the brothers along because they were going to make the, the hooch out of whatever was being made as hooch. That's you know. right. Yeah. The um, and also, you know, the monks were very instrumental. Uh, the Cartusians uh, monks were very instrumental in saving the Andalusian horse breed of Spain. Well, I know you're a big horseman too, because we were we were discussing off camera that Felipe. Um, if you're not sure, if you if you see him moving around a little bit, and, and let me know if you're feeling uncomfortable. I can pause this, and you can go do PT or whatever. But you you've just had some major back surgery, so I wanted to make sure that you could sit for uh, uh, at least an hour with us. Uh, so, but you are. Part part of the I mentioned his back injury because I guess you had a horse injury at one point besides surfing. Yeah. I, I, anybody tell you don't do your own stunts? Yeah. 
Hey, I can't find anyone to play my role. <laughs> Y'all volunteer. Yeah, I was young enough, but I couldn't, you know, I, I know how, I know how to ride a, a horse. I, but I, I think um, I did, was not aware that they actually saved that, that strain of, of a horse. Yeah. Cause you're real. You, did you, did you, you rode them, but did you breed them as well? I brought, oh, I'm, did I go, I'm sorry. Did you breed horses also? Um, I had um, my friends from the Spanish uh, Horse Association bring in the horses, right? So, and these were the two top riders uh, of Andalusian horses. Uh, in fact, you know, they would dress up. You saw them; they were in their, their full-on Spanish outfits. Or oh, yeah, chocolates. yes, yeah. Well, you see those horseback riders too, like every year at the Rose Parade. I mean, it is a big. You know, California has a long history of of uh, horseback riding and, and show horse riding. Uh, so there are lots of like, you know, from the sheriff's posse to, to the, the, the Spanish um, uh, and, and everyone had, you know, those groups that, that ride in the parade, they all have their own separate uh, uh, animal, you know, their own, their own separate breed that they represent and, and show. And, and it's really, it's fascinating. I wasn't much of a horse person. I did own horses at one point in my life. I learned to ride bareback. I actually, <laughs> that was hard. I actually had a, at one point, uh, somebody sold us a, um, a Paso Fino because I loved paddle horses. You know, we had, we had a Tennessee Walker on the, on the property and then someone sold us a Paso Fino, but the Paso Fino was used for barrel racing. So it looked like a Morgan. It was short and stout, but if you would just gallop it a little bit, it would, it would have the paddle, you know, it would paddle yeah. out. Yeah. And, it's a, but I, it's I didn't have a saddle large enough for that back so i had to learn to ride it bareback and that's rough when you're a guy so um but anyway that i digress that i have i have no experience like like you did you know with with all, how did you get involved with with those guys it was just friends of yours or what um well i've always loved horses and i've always wanted horses so i once i was able to afford a horse you know i, I got horses and of course my picks were uh, the Andalusian. Uh, I rescued a beautiful Arab years ago, which was just probably the best trail horse I ever had. I mean, he was like a mountain goat. So wow. you know, I got into it. And then um, I got invited uh, to the uh, Fiesta of the Spanish Horse up in Burbank. And every breed of Spanish horse was there, including La Manga, La Manga Larga from South, uh, South America. All these breeds were there. And uh, they put on an amazing show and that's how I got involved with them. And um, of course, you know, they would say, well, you know, can you get tequila for this event? And I said, yeah, let me see who I can get to come in and you know, do a tasting. And so that's, you know, it, everything always led to tequila. The road was always paved with agave, you know. <laughs> you know why I hate this man, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching. I hate this guy because he was invited to the Playboy Mansion, where I, and and he's sending me pictures. He's texting me these pictures of him and his in these the bunnies. It's like okay, officially, I hate you now. <laughs> it's like, and I I guess you. You were also uh, involved in a, uh, you went to Japan. You traveled there, didn't you? Um, I or China. I, was it China or Japan? I didn't travel to Japan. I had, um, I was invited to 
be a guest judge with uh, the Saki organization. Uh, and it was, and so they had four or five, you know, sake masters from Japan. And then of course you had those that make them here in the States. And uh, it was funny because, you know, I hung out with, with them, <laughs> with the, the masters from Japan, because I was curious and they had this great interpreter and, and she loved tequila as well. And then she found out that I was a master distiller and made tequila. And, you know, I had the bad stuff and she goes, oh gosh, it's too bad we didn't know. We would have loved to have given them a sample. I go, I'll be right back. <laughs> I had you know a few bottles in my car, and so I brought out the you know the three year, poured oh, them all, you know a nice little sip, and they just you know they aroma everything you know. They know then how I, to nose it. They know how to taste it. Exactly. And then after they tasted, it was the most amazing. I wish I had a video of it. The most amazing thing was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you know, from me. one from one dis master distiller to another master, you know, from one sensei to another, that makes total sense to me. You know yeah. that they would that they would so appreciate. Um, you know, when I when I I remember um, doing an event here and uh, going to an event uh, in in L.A. Uh, right after my father passed away, it was like the first event that I actually went to, and it was the day that that uh, El Teso, no, that um, Tapatio was rolled out in Southern California. And at that time, it still is being imported by Charbet. Mm -hmm. And to hear the story, you know, of, of um, uh, Marco Carrasca Savage, when he talks about how his father, who was the retired master distiller of Charbet distillers, talking to Carlos about distillation and how they went back and forth and said, no, that's not how it works. It's like, it's the reverse. And, and it was so funny because there are two masters who really appreciate each other's um, method of, of crafting a spirit. So exactly. it makes total sense. And that, that language, that thing bridges languages, right? It's just, it's, it's a universal language. It really is, you know, and uh, they did invite me to, to go. Um, I have not had a chance to get there yet, but I do you know, want to get there. I mean, I, I really want to see their facilities because they're small craft facilities. They're not large, you know, big commercial facilities. Or, or, so I, I definitely want to do that. Um, it'll happen. Just when, uh, when it happens, that's it. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I, I wanted to discuss with you about barrel aging because I, I know that, that, you know, frequently when our, our sipping off the cuffs, we get, um, and they're, you know, we, we get what, what I normally expect over the years as a natural progression from Blanco Reposado to Añejo, and, and it's, a, it's an expected progression. But now people are doing something different with Reposados, and it's almost like they come up with three different flavor profiles for three different markets. And I get that. You don't really know until you actually go from one to the other to the other. And there are things now being done. Of course, we're in an añejo shortage, except for a few who are smart enough to, to rest barrels and not, not touch it for 12 years. Right. Uh, yeah, Dulce, we'll get to that in a second. But um, I see that there's more, especially those who are not using the additives, they're, they're using more double barreling and triple barreling and experimenting with wine wine barrels and bourbon and French oak and then used French oak and used bourbon, you know, there's all, 
um, I always thought that that each, uh, depending on the on the on the brand, that some would would deal only with the blanco and the and the agave, and it's, and then there's somebody else would deal with producing a reposado, and then the the guy who's managing the barrels is somebody else. Is it like mm -hmm. that frequently, or is it because well, there's so you know each uh, one? You know you have you have different ways. We'll go with the reposado form. So you can either do the large batch pipones, right, or you can, or you can do the 200 liter barrels, which is what I work with. But it's always new French oak with a medium toast. You know why? For me that's one of the keys to producing a beautiful añejo, extra añejo, and on down the line. Um, and you, you know, you have certain techniques that, that you use to make sure that barrel is going to be consistent all the way through. As uh, you know, I know nobody rotates their barrels, you know, so it, it's just, for me, Wood is everything. And I was a woodworker for many years. I learned about wood, you know, and I learned about the different types of wood, their grains through from an old German carpenter. This guy was amazing. He taught me how to make furniture. And, and I would make my own furniture, you know, uh, uh, with different exotic woods. Uh, there'd be an old pepper tree that was being cut down. So I'd say, hey, can you mill it? And they said, yeah, sure, we'll cut it down for you. So they cut down, I take these planks and then I start working with that wood. So I learned a lot about different woods, what they can impart. And, uh, and I have some, a lot of ideas in my head. And, and a lot of people say, well, why don't you, how can you, why don't you teach someone this? Well, it, you really can't because it's, it's a mindset and how you work and how you were brought up that brings out that talent. Well, it sounds to me like you've apprenticed all your life. I have, yeah, all my life. Yeah, because each one of these skills has, like you said, has always led you back to tequila. Mm -hmm. You've always been able to bring back that. Can you cooper your own barrels? Do you know how to do it? Uh, yeah, they cooper them uh, there in Mexico. Yeah, in Jalisco, yeah. Absolutely. But have you done your own barrels? Have you been able yeah, to? Uh, yeah, my own barrels. Yeah, I have my own barrels. Um, they're always new French oak. They're seasoned properly. Um, the uh, the cooper is great. You know, it, it took a while to find somebody who really knew what he was doing. Uh, but this guy is phenomenal. And uh, I just, you know, I, I wanted most barrels, you know, they, they fire them, some some throw chips in, but it's more for the aesthetics, you know, so you get these striations through it. I wanted a different pattern. So I created, uh, you know, a, a different way to get a, a, the pattern that I want to get more exposure to the wood and be able to breathe the way I want it. And uh, it's, it's interesting. Uh, just that's, but again, that's from my woodworking knowledge uh, and what you can do. Wow, that's this just um, it's like I could go on this forever, but I know I don't, I don't want to I don't want to keep you sitting there for too long because I have a, I know I had in my head. I was thinking, what am I going to ask this guy? Because I've known him for for so long, but there's so many, you know, I finally get a chance to grill you 
Because every time, every time you and I meet, it's always, you know, social or you're doing something or, you know, I'm doing something or, or finally when we had dinner. And I remember the, the reason I bring up this, this little bottle is really special because we tasted this after dinner. We, and and uh, El Cholo, if you've never been to El Cholo in Pasadena this year, when you see this video, they are celebrating 100 years of serving families in, Cal in, in the LA area. So we had, each one of us had a separate uh, uh, dinner plates. And I think you ordered the, the shrimp and the lobster or something, some, some terrific thing. And then we had this for after dinner. And, and we had long conversations discussing what was going on with you and the bad stuff. And I met your partner and your business partner. And, um, and I remember you, when you mentioned the, the dose, the 12 year, and I said to you, said to you that uh, at one point in those conversations we had way back when, um, I think it was Robert Denton that actually brought it up and said, if you age tequila longer than five years, it tastes like something totally different. It won't even taste like tequila. And in those days, obviously, you know, he was right, you know, yep. but right. now with the newer innovations and with guys like you and I'm sure that there are other people who are just managing barrels like crazy and doing just, you know, I, I, I mentioned Ana Maria Romero Mena, who is doing stuff with barrel blending, you know, using multiple barrels to get or barrels with different staves. Right. Exactly. Different woods. And right. she's doing some crazy stuff with and, and producing these beautiful profiles, you know, and it's like, what kind of mind does that take? It's like, it's like, you know, so when it comes to barrel management now, what was different from back then when Robert told us this, you know, and and to what what you're doing now? Because you have a 12-year-old that if you folks have not seen that review, Alex and I did the review. Alex has that bottle, by the way. I, I don't. Um, oh, really? oh, okay. I, I don't I don't trust myself with that bottle because it'll be I'll drain it. It'll, it'll be gone. <laughs> But you I, have that beautiful presentation of that 12-year-old. I'm going to, uh, so that people know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. As long as you've got it handy, I'm, I, oh, yeah, look at that. That is so beautiful. Yeah, uh, Annika, you, you saw the gift box. Uh, yes. It, yeah. It, yeah I, I told Alex to put it in, in the vault. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that, the bottle I just showed you, by the way, was, bottle number two wow and bottle number one is in my cabinet and the prototype filled with the 12 is in my cabinet of course it is <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah um, well, so, yeah. so what and and when we tasted it you know of course it was off the cuff we did not get a chance to really dissect it you know for an hour like we did with, you know, after dinner with this one, but there were, there were essences that were opening up and blooming the longer it sat in my, and I only had that one pour. I, I didn't pour it more than once. And I was just, the longer it sat there and bloomed, the more, the more phases, the more complexity, the more complex it got. And then I've never been able to sense anise in an extra añejo. Usually I get that in a Blanco and mm -hmm. I look for that, you know, but it was there and it was like, oh my God, every time I took a sip, it was something different. It was like, 
somebody else poured it. It's, it's are we talking about the same booze? So what's what's different now from what happened when what was going on back then? Well, back then, most of the extraneous, well, and most of the tequilas, period, that were being aged were being poured into old whiskey barrels. Okay, cognac barrels, whiskey barrels, bourbon barrels. Well, those barrels have seen their days. So you have to be very careful how long you leave your tequila in there or, the, or it will be overpowered by the wood. It'll be musky. It, it won't taste like tequila. It's going to taste right. like something you don't want to have or something that you'll take out occasionally and that's it. So my thought was using brand new French oak barrels with a medium toast and, and then my, my work in the cellar. You know, I can't disclose it because that's my deal. Yeah, yeah it's, your, it's but, your recipe. I don't want to know. I'm, I, as long as you say you're doing, you know, the, the, when you said nobody, nobody rotates their barrels, the only, the only rotation of barrels I've ever heard of is the Solera method of Jerez. And so I'm not sure if there's, if there's any influence, any Spanish influence that you are imparting into your, your extra añejos and your, you know, your aged versions. There's, yeah, my roots go back to um, Catalonia and, and also Galicia. So yes, there, there is. Yeah. And they, they're all up here, you know. Yeah, that, yeah. that's what I, that's what I figured. Okay. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my God. Know, you, you have to be innovative to try and get a spot in this industry. If you're not innovative or creative and bringing something new, very special to the market, you're going to have a tough time. Well, tough I was going to ask you, what do you, I know often you, you either consult with, with brand owners, probably not anymore, but I, yeah, uh, not I know that. It's upon a time, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've been fortunate to be able to, to do that, but usually when they come to me, it's already after the, after the fact. They're in way too deep, and and you know, in my experience, from what I've seen in the industry and, and the, the brands I've seen, I've seen more of them fall apart and go away um, than than actually survive and, and thrive. So when somebody asks you for for advice about starting a tequila brand because wh what do you tell them okay so a very good friend of mine international banker um he's also you know latino uh, we've been on each other for 20 plus years he goes felipe every time you open your mouth you give away your secrets he goes stop it so i finally when i launched the bad stuff decided okay i'll stop you know so so I no longer really advise people uh, on what to do. You know, it's just, you know, I'm concentrating on, on this right now. And, but everything that I've done in my life, every type of study that I did, for whatever reason, leads right back to tequila. You know, like I said, wood. So I made three boxes one for my two business partners and one for myself. So, oh of... my God, look at that. Oh, geez. And, and at the top, it, it says who it is, but the beauty, it's lined with agave wood. 
And and I've seen. I, I remember when I first when I first uh, uh, met you at your home, you had a surfboard that you had made out of a quiote, which right. nobody had ever done before. At that point, nobody had, you know. I didn't know that that was a wood that was strong enough to 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 be molded and used as furniture or whatever. I mean, it it, it makes sense to me, you know. But but you had a, a I guess well, that had a terrible demise. I understood it was somebody had stolen it or something like that. Yeah, you look at well, you look at the agave itself, the quiote, and you cut it, and it's there's these small these tiny threads that look like glass in it. So the tinsel strength is amazing. And the beauty of, of the Quixote in making a surfboard or using it for furniture, which I, I've been dabbling with, it each piece is a work of art because each Quixote has different colors in it. And you use those and it's just fantastic. And yes, the surfboards, they they're beautiful they're works of art you know yeah. they're they're one of a kind uh each one's different just because of the quixote being different wow is there nothing you don't do can you cook oh i love to cook yeah ah you're <laughs> killing me <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh my goodness well you know i i figured that there was you know it, I'm sure that there are people maybe after this that will that will who see this interview will come up to you and go, you know, I'd like to pick your brain and give me some advice and things like that. But you know, you just you did mention previously that that innovation is really the bottom line for for now where the industry is at this point. Mm -hmm. That if you don't bring something new to the market, you're just, you know, you're you're going to be lumped in with with the mainstream and we know what's going on with the mainstream and and all that when somebody comes up to you and they say something weird like does the bad stuff have any additives in it because you'll get that you know it's almost like does it have any cooties you know what i mean it's like um you know no. it's become such a buzz phrase and what people don't understand is it it's part of the normas there it's right. never going to go normas. away but uh, we we are definitely additive free. We are we are not certified organic, but we have the highest kosher rating that you can get, which is just as good. Yeah, it's just as good, and that's that's what I that's what I've been told. And I I have a small book that I put out for, about that, uh, having interviewed you know rabbis and and brand owners who who one brand owner who no longer owns the brand. Uh, said to me that that getting the the organic certification was like the next step after getting the kosher certification. It just made sense to him to to to, oh, to get one and then the other, you know, organic and then they get kosher, and you know, it just he just felt better about it. Um, and so yeah, it does. It, it I think it makes a, a big difference. Um, although, till I found out that you could have a diffuser made tequila um, certified organic. Uh, certified kosher. Um, oh, really? Certified oh, kosher. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, kosher, not organic, um, apparently. Yeah. But um, wh what do you see now? I mean, you grew up in this industry. I mean, much longer than me. I grew up watching it, you know, for 23 years, but you are actually in it, you know, in one form or another over, over the years and now consistently now for what, 12, 15, 20 years or something like that? Yeah, yeah at least. Yeah. Um, First batch in 94. 
Yeah, well, longer than that. Okay, so uh, um, what do you, do you see something that, that that's lamentable about the industry now? You know, what uh, you've seen the industry from so many different facets. What do you see as its future? You can yeah. be honest here. It's just you and me and, you know, two million yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am hoping that the norma ch changes when it comes to agave itself. Because, you know, we have the, the blue agave, but there are varieties of that blue agave which give you the same profile. Right. It looks exactly the same. The only difference is, you know, the, the, the gene chain in it. But I'm hoping that they will begin to allow the use of those uh, agaves that are in the blue agave tequilana category uh, so that we can overcome the, you know, the issues that we're having right now with, with agave. You know, you know, a lot of people didn't learn from the 95 to 2000 issue. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we really have to be vigilant of what we're doing because it's gonna, it will affect uh, people's quality, um, their ability to produce. It already has. I mean, you know, a lot of brands can't even produce their, their XAs right now because they don't have the mature agave. They don't have any Exxonejo period, you know. Um, I, I will tell you about something that I came up with, but once, you know, we're off camera. And oh, off, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is really innovative, you know. And speaking of innovations, I'm going to blow our horn in that the Plata and the Reposado both received innovation awards for the complexity. Yep. <laughs> I totally, I get it. You know, uh, I've done all the tastings with Alex of all your bad stuff because, you know, I like to keep the consistency there whenever you, a new expression comes across. Mm -hmm. And and it's been what a ride it's been. And he he and I have discussed it even on camera. There's stuff that we we say that we don't film, you know, we don't. And it's like we just go on and on and on about how great your tequila is. You know, uh, we and we even I think we brought up how the how you got the name. I think it was just the business partner said, this is a good stuff. No, it's a bad stuff. You know, and, and that's right. He gets the naming rights. So what the hell? Yeah. Um yeah. One and, other thing I wanted to ask you about your life. How did you become, when did you learn to sail a boat? I thought you were living on a boat for a while. God. That goes back to, I was probably about 17, 18 years old. Uh, started sailing Hobie Cats and then I got really into it. I went to San Felipe and got invited to participate in a, in a, a race with the Nocras, which are high performance cats. And, and it just really, I mean, I loved it. And uh, it, it just started from there. And I haven't stopped since then. You know, I've, I've been on hiatus from, from sailing just because of my back surgery, but, and, and also surfing. But I tell you, it, it, there's nothing like it, you know, nothing like it. And, you know, I, I do have, and all of my sailor friends say that I'm going against the rules when I do this. I go, but I do have a bottle of bad stuff on my sailboat, not rum. Tequila. Good for you. 
<laughs> well, what do they expect? <laughs> you know, it's like, geez. Um, when is there, geez, there's, this guy does everything. I told you he's like a renaissance man, folks. I'm telling you, there's a, we could go on and on, but it, it, one, if you, and I, I guess at this point, we've already discussed about giving people advice. And so that's always, uh, you know, there's two questions that I always ask when I do these open bars. One is why tequila? And obviously it's in your blood. Um, but the other one is, you know, if somebody comes to you and would, would ask you for advice, what would you say? And, and now you stop, you stop giving advice. Uh, but I like, I like the part about innovation and and you and not taking the shortcut you know because you can always dump a colorant an aromatic you know a, 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 a you know, it, it's my thought on that is basically why use an additive when you can do it naturally you really oh, can yeah the you can the agave is so versatile in its flavor profile from start to finish that you can get those profiles. And also, you know, depending on where your agave has grown, we're very fortunate in that we're in that golden triangle up there in, in Arandas. And we have beautiful agave. And there are certain things that I look for in our mature agaves that also make a difference in how the tequila tastes as well. You know, well, you can identify that. I, I know that firsthand that you're, you, you know, you're the guy that can tell. How do you tell the difference? Well, look at how the way the, you know, the leaves are growing and it's like, huh, what, you know, cause I'm, I'm just listening, you know, because I, I'm not a horticulturalist. Um, I can't even say it, but um, what are, so what future innovations do you have for the bad stuff? I know you had some, some good news coming up and is there something you can discuss with us? I, I, I have, I, I subscribe to the newsletter. So I kind of know a little bit that you're last I read, you were coming up with a coffee liqueur. Yeah, if if you'll excuse me, I can grab you the sample bottle. Sure, yeah, it would help if you would need to stand up too. And why? No, no problem. While you're doing that, I'll I'll just keep talking because dead air. We don't need dead air. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just you know, there's this guy is so surprising. Felipe has has every time I talk to him, and we don't get a chance to do this very often. You know, it's always through email or. Uh, a private message on 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 a social media platform, but uh, he's always uh, surprising me with something. And I, again, if you folks have not uh, uh, signed up for for the bad stuff newsletter, please do so. Sign up for ours; our newsletter is free right now. Um, but there's always uh, something that they that he's coming up with. And and if you're signed up to the newsletter, you'll have like first dibs. You'll know what's coming out. Um, so, so tell tell us what what you're coming up with. All right. So, the bad stuff liqueur de café. Uh, let me see if I can get this correct. There you go. Oh, oh, wow. So, um, I don't know if you can read the label. Yeah, sample only mm -hmm. three seven five. Yeah, I want it. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you know, there's a there's a everybody was using. For the longest time, they were using that Patron XO, and, and I didn't particularly care for it forever, but they took it off the market. And all of a sudden, you start to see other tequila companies now bringing on their version of a coffee liqueur. Right. So, so it makes sense that you would try to fill that gap because there was a lot of people that are going to miss it. 
right now. And this is, again, it's, it's like nothing you've ever had before. I don't know. I've had a really good one that I'm hoarding, but you and I have got to share that together because I okay. haven't had one that, mm -hmm. that I loved and this particular brand, I don't know what they did. Uh, I, I can talk to you about it off camera, but uh, they came out with, they rolled out everything, everything. Mezcal, coffee liqueur. They had a mezcal con matcha. They had, yeah, I know. They, I mean, mezcal with, with no, tequila with salts or something, you know, with, with, with uh, electrolytes. I mean, they did everything. Colored bottles. History, gone. They, they made the splash and they came out with all of that. And, and the coffee liqueur, that's the one I'm hoarding because I, I have it. I actually have it in, in a separate well, room. I'll, I'll, that, when we get together, I'll definitely bring this. Yeah, because I want to, I want to, yeah. Compare because, to, you know, uh, it's the uh, formula has been uh, submitted to FDA, just waiting for the approval, but it will be this year. Awesome. This year. I, I'm looking forward to it because... You know, in the past, you would have uh, café con piquete, you know, which is with this coffee with a little spike of, you know, whatever liqueur was was there. And that's generally when you would have, um, for me, when you when I would have XO, I'd always put my coffee because it was so bitter and mm. and over, you know, overdone. It was completely over the top that the only way you could kill it was to put it a little bit in your coffee. But the ones that I really enjoy, and they're very few and far between, like I say, I've only had maybe two or three, where you could sip it out of a, out of a glass and you don't need the coffee. Mm -hmm, and right. I'm suspecting that yours is very similar to that, where, where it would be sippable on its own. Yeah. However, I, I've done small tastings with this. And what I do is I get a little say half gallon of the French vanilla ice cream for a scoop uh, and drizzle this over the top. Oh now, man. That's it's, it's the drizzle. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I, can, I could talk to you for like forever, but I know we've, we've overdone this um, and I don't want to keep you sitting down for too long, but um, I so appreciate your time and that we've had a chance to finally catch up and do this. Uh, folks, if you have not had the bad stuff, and again, I have a small bottle because I've hoarded, I, I've hit all my other bottles. But if you see this, pick it up. It's reasonably priced, even considering uh, what's out there and what's been on the market. Uh, the Blanco Reposado, all day long. Versatile on its own. Uh, the, another mad genius here. I, I should start calling you the, I, I don't know, the alchemist, but then, you know, Don Alofo is going to get mad. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Adolfo will probably. Adolfo gonna. I'm gonna get Adolfo on here, you know, and maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll let you come in, and the two of you can discuss I, alchemy. I would like to show you one thing and mention one other thing about the dosa. Sure, absolutely, please do. The dosa, I am proud to say, I've only entered it in two competitions: San Francisco International, and uh, we took a gold there, and uh, the. Las Vegas Global International or Global uh, Spirits Competition. Global Spirits, yes. It it took platinum in the extra Nejo class. Well, of course. <laughs> Duh. I mean, this is the first tequila that I've had. That literally, it blows that old saying back then, back in the beginning, in the old days, where you know, back in the day when they said, you know, don't age it more than five, maybe seven years, but it's going to taste like something else. 
this thing still tastes like tequila. And I know, having known you for so long, that you would never put out something that did not uh, express the agave that it that, that it's made with, because I know that you love the plant to begin with. All, all great master distillers love the plant first. Absolutely. That's one that's the one you can you can name a distiller that you're happy with. Herman Gonzalez, he loves the plants. You love the plant, Carlos. They were agave growers forever. You know, right. uh, uh, Felipe. Same thing, you know, you want to, you want to bring that, that the essence of the plant. Otherwise you're just making something else. Well, my, my tío told me when I was learning uh, how to plant and all about agave, he goes, Felipe, si no conoces el agave, no conoces el tequila. If you don't know the agave, you don't know tequila. Is that your slogan? Yeah. Is it well, that, my, my uncle told me. I know, but is that, is that. Can that be like a slogan yeah, somewhere? Yeah, definitely my slogan. Oh, <laughs> my, All right. my I slogan. love that. That is, and he's absolutely correct. Right. I mean, you know, that's that's the cloth. That's the that that same cut from the same cloth that all the, uh, you know, you have the pedigree. You just, you know, I think finally you're it's coming in. It's being known. But you've, like I said, you've been the perennial. Uh, uh you know, um, the the you. What's the word I'm looking for? Geez, I just kind of lost it. Um, you've apprenticed. You're like this perennial apprentice. Do you continue learning? Is that still something that you you do in in, the, in that industry? Do you pick it up from other people, or is it just you and and you know when you're out sailing, you get this idea and you go, ah, I got to try that. Yeah, I'll tell you. I um, yeah, I wake up 1:32 in the morning with an idea, and I I've got my my little uh, my pad, and I'll type it in and okay and go back to it and then a day or two and but that's and, and yeah when I'm sailing I get these ideas and you know when I'm when I'm out period you know it just comes to me and uh, it, it's interesting because it doesn't come as an idea per se it comes in pictures well of course like a movie board you know it's kind of like a storyboard yeah yeah, yeah. But I want to show you, we are working on this new project. Uh-oh. You're gonna this is be, a scoop. You're the first to ever see this. Uh, this is a scoop, folks. Here it is, the scoop. Yeah. <laughs> what am I looking at? Okay, the bad stuff. Reserve Especial Extra Añejo 100. Okay, what? show okay. me what, what's the difference. Oh, I love the box, by the way. Nice box. Oh, my god holy cow and and what a, that beautiful presentation completely different from your other one yeah now what's different about that is that just a new presentation or is that so just this is just the presentation because i i felt the three-year deserved a special bottle and special presentation but that bottle is also going to be used for the Añejo that's coming out, but it's my special cigar blend. Oh, you do cigars? Okay. Uh, yeah, right. actually, I'm gonna be, um, I, uh, Rocky Patel is very kind in getting me a box of his two-year limited edition cigars, and that's what I'm pairing up with. You're, you're, I hate you again. <laughs> 
I hate you again. Rocky Patel. For those of you who are cigar smokers, you know who that name that, that name is. Um, amazing cigars. Uh, you and I have not. That's the one thing we you and I have. We shared a meal, but we haven't in, in memories. But we've never shared a cigar together. I have a I have an affinity for Nicaraguans because that's where my folks are from, and and I've had the the great pleasure of of uh, it's been several years, but I visited the Placencia uh, factory in in Esteli. Uh, which now is finally getting a huge name for itself, you know, the Placencia. And I bought two boxes with me and nobody ever heard of that, you know, that, that factory. And now it's, it's huge. And, and um, you and I can discuss, you know, cigars and, and regions of the terroir, you know, of uh, tobacco. Well, and what, what we need to do is get you and Alex down here to my little humble tasting room in my house. Yeah. And- and you know what? We'll I'll pull out some of the uh, the the Patels. It is a beautiful. I mean, it's it's almost as if he was thinking of tequila when he created this cigar. It pairs so well with it. Well, you know, uh, years ago, Drew Estate, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, uh, cigar companies, they they had a line that was called the Tres Generaciones line, where it was actually. Uh, dipped or aged. I don't know how they did the the, the wrapper um, in Tres Generaciones to tequila. So it was a Sousa. It was a joint project with, with the Sousa three generations. And I I don't think I ever had a chance to get one of those cigars. Uh, they, they, they no longer make it for you know lots of reasons probably. But I can imagine that this one, I think the innovations of cigar making have followed along with, with craft craft spirits in general right exactly yeah and then you know i um i have been speaking with uh pain cigars as well right and because their office is just right down the street from me and uh, i walked in oh look at you <laughs> i go oh my god the boss here and they go yeah he's in the back i go can i talk to him well yeah um may I ask who it is and i go oh, my name is felipe i make tequila and he goes hang on a second <laughs> and he comes out tequila opens doors <laughs> yeah it really does so i said look i'd like to invite you to my small tasting room at my house i want you to taste my tequila i have an idea so he said yes so basically we're taking one of our barrels He's going to put racks in it and he's going to ferment the wrapper in this sealed barrel, ferment the wrapper for three or yes. four months. And that'll be the best of cigar. Ah, oh, okay. I want a box. I, you know, I don't know what you're going to price it at. I want to buy, I'll leave it settle for a couple of sticks. Cause, <laughs> cause this is what a treat. That's just going to be a, what a great idea though. So again, you, what do you do to be different? You come up with ideas that are innovative that change the game all the way around. Well, and also attracts another market. Exactly. I mean, you know, you're appealing to the cigar smokers who are so used to the rums and the dark spirits and the bourbons and whiskeys. You know, tequila. I think, in my opinion, when it when it when you start to see it, and you'll see it more and more in cigar clubs, cigar bars, cigar lounges, where there's more and more aged tequilas. Uh, mm-hmm. mezcals haven't infiltrated that market yet as far as okay. i know but i think there's room for a good mezcal to be able to, to do that as well yeah. um but yeah you're you're 
you're opening up a whole new category for yourself, you know, and, and your brand. It's, it's a makes total sense. <laughs> Thank God. Philippe, thank you. This has been a joy. I, for me, this has been a nice walk down memory lane, you know, your memories and my memories, and then uh, and hopefully, hopefully creating new memories for people who are watching us. Uh, folks, again, the bad stuff. Go find it. Go get it anywhere in Southern California. How many states are you in now? Uh, I think it's 17 to 20, something like that. Okay. So, and and I guess uh, uh, yeah. Old Town uh, Tequila is available. In each one of those states, have them. I mean, you know, all our products. Uh, we're very excited about that. Uh, but again, you know, I want to thank you for the invite. You know, I, you know, we we go back so many years, Alex. You know, as well. Oh yeah. And, um, you know, really, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, the fact that I can say, hey guys, guess what? This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love sharing that. You know, those 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 things that are coming up and I can't wait to try. I can't wait to try that coffee liqueur. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I will, I promise that I won't drink what's left of it that I'm hoarding. Cause I want, I want your opinion because uh, you know, again, we're going to be doing a lot of, a lot of cross pollination maybe, or, you know, a lot of opinions, all of this stuff happens off camera, but, but who knows, you know, we might take a few pictures. Um, but again, Felipe Sotomares of the bad stuff, tequila, get it if you can find it enjoy it share it with your family you know uh it really does come as as you have seen folks who have watched it sat through this whole interview it's not just the hand of the maker it's his spirit that's involved in the spirit and there's a reason they call it spirits and i completely agree and i hope that that's another message that we can we can help amplify and bring it out there because we have to get people in touch with their spirits Right. Because then I think I think we can turn where we see things going mm -hmm. around or at least you like a good horse. You don't, don't you don't want to, you know, let's go to a nice little parade march. Let's not let's not do the gallop. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think I think I think for me, that's what I would like to see, because uh, like as you said earlier on, in the interview, nobody learned anything from the 2000s and the 19 you know, from the, from the shortages that had happened then. And I remember those shortages, you know, and so, and now this one, I think has been prolonged in unnecessarily in my opinion, but we can discuss that later. Right. Anyway, thank you, senor. Thank you so much for being, being my teacher and, 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 and confirming a lot of what I've been thinking in my head about everything, you know, everything that I asked you is just my own, a lot of them were just personal, you know, interests of mine and having met you and, and been with you you know briefly throughout the years i i just we got to do this again you know maybe after you you know you're done with your physical therapy you're back out on the boat you know you're you're back out in the public uh we'll we'll get together in, in oc in oceanside and and uh, do something special from there i know yeah. alex would love it yeah um, and as we say in mexico gracias saludos y nos vemos nos vemos Thank you, folks. You've been watching and listening to a very special edition of Open Bar. I'm Mike Morales of Southern California. That gentleman was Felipe Soto Maris of The Bad Stuff. Go get it. I can't emphasize that, that enough. And hey, thanks for being with us. Uh, it, again, Felipe, we will see you soon. Gracias, amigo. Saludos.